Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Opisano Podcast. Glad to be back. Chris, glad to have you again. As always, Chris is here. And we are back with another exciting episode. Last week, last episode, I was out. So Chris got to host and take the charge. And they discussed the top shortstops. So now we're going to discuss the top outfield. Top 15 outfielders in the league. Just a big quick shout out to Scott Rowland, who did get inducted to the Hall of Fame. That was a nice moment for Scott Rowland, third baseman. Played for the Phillies, Cardinals, and Reds for 17 years. He did win the World Series, eight-time Gold Glove Award, Silver Slugger, and Rookie of the Year, seven-time All-Star. Good for him. And let's get into it, Chris. I guess we'll, we'll do a similar to what we did with the last episode that we did with the ranking, with the team rankings that we did, power rankings. So I guess we're, what we're going to do, how's, how it's going to work is we'll do the... We're, we got 15. We both have 15. So the first five, 15 to 10, how it's going to work is me and Chris are going to pick one list of five, and we're just going to pick two players, two or three players who we think stand out out of those 15. And then the rest of the 10, we will be going into discussion about. So let's get into it. So at 15, I got... I'm just going to list my top five, and I'm going to, I guess, the three guys that kind of really stood out to me. The other two were like, I got to put them on, even though they're not, I'm not the biggest fan of them. So I got Marte, Schwarber, Garcia, Sterling Marte, Kyle Schwarber, Dillos Garcia, Luis Robert, Cesar Morales, and Michael Harris. So out, out of those five, six players, not including Michael Harris, sorry, he's the 10. So out of those five players, I think, Three players out of that group. Just firstly, Sterling Marte. He's kind of been that veteran presence in the league. Is nearing thirty, almost thirty-five. To be turning thirty-five this year, and you know he's played for he's played for five teams, and you know he definitely was a nice contributor in Pittsburgh. And now he came, you know, came to the Mets, and the Mets had high expectations, and I think he really lived up to that because. He's not one of those crazy high power guys who you're going to see hit 30 plus home runs. He's one of those guys who is contact oriented and he'll slash 292, 347, 468 with an A14 OPS. And, you know, now he made the all star game for a second time in his career and he had a nice year, really nice year for the Mets. And now they're kind of looking to him, towards him now for the next couple of years. Because he now the, the Mets have him in control through twelve twenty five. So now, you know, I, for, I mean, personally, I kind of like those guys who are contact centric because you know the MLB is the whole MLB is so focused on home runs and the long ball, and sometimes people forget that the whole point of baseball is just getting on base and hitting, so you can set up the next guy to knock him in. So the next player that really stands out for me I'm going to have to say was Adolis Garcia I'm half a sub Schwarber I love Schwarby but not, I'm not so into the only power he's not the most potent defender he doesn't really have such good hands in the outfield so I, I, I really like Adolis Garcia again because I have to happen to love that power speed combination like, that's kind of going against what I said where you know, I do happen to like contact centric centric guys who are just focused on getting the next guy and setting up the next guy. But Adolis Garcia is a guy who, well, is he 25, 25 guy, really? He has 27 home runs, 25, 25 stolen bases, and he'll still manage to have a 130 WS plus. So I think he's, again, he's a young guy. He's only 29. And... You know, the Rangers are starting to build build up their organization. They got DeGrom and have Corey Seager, Marcus Simon. Obviously, those are the two big additions last year. And then my last big name before I had the mic to Chris was Cedric Marlins. Again, Cedric Marlins, another one of those players, another one of those power-speed combos. I love power-speed combos. If there was any player that any my 
if I would have to custom a player in MLB The Show, I would have to do the power-speed combo. Something like a Adolis Garcia again, or a Cedric Mullins-esque type of player, because those are literally my type of players. You know, Cedric Mullins, again, another another huge centerpiece of the Orioles organization. He's a lefty, and I happen to like those lefties who rake. He had he was slightly regressed from 2021, didn't have the greatest year, in terms of average, he had a two, he did make the All Star game in twenty twenty one, but he still hit sixteen home runs, one fifty seven hits. So again, another one of those guys who steals bases, and hits home runs. So Chris, I'm gonna hand the mic to you, and let's see what we got. So for my bottom five, I've got Cody Bellinger, Brandon Nimmo, Byron Buxton, Randy Orozarena, and Bryce Harper. So. The guys pretty much that I kind of want to highlight is Buxton. Um, That dude is an amazing center fielder. I mean, he's got a 99.2 fielding percentage for his career, and he's got a 68 defensive runs saved in his career as well. Like the dude just, he is a joy to watch play center field. He just glides out there. I mean, it's not even a glide. It's like, it's faster than a glide, but it's not like, it's not like a full-on like sprint or like running hard he just like moves so so smooth out there covers so much ground out there it's a real pleasure to watch him out there and you know as someone who can enjoy watching him play defense out there he's a real treat um he's unfortunately always against you know my team so it's not fun watching him just take away hits that most (laughs) other guys aren't going to be able to track down um but he he is a phenomenal talent Uh, i just really wish he could stay healthy i mean that's his biggest issue is just being able to stay on the field and produce because we have finally seen it now when he's been able to be on the field he's settled in and adapted to the major league level and can crush the ball out there and for Minnesota's sake uh, they really do need a healthy Byron Buxton if they want to go you know into the playoffs at all or anything like that so um, the next guy up is the newcomer for Mr. October and that's Randy Rosarina this dude seems to make some sort of highlight play in in the playoffs um, you know something that you know we're not accustomed to to seeing in playoff baseball and he just he does it he always seems to as the season goes on he seems to get better as the season goes on which is it's great um, it you know it's unfortunate for the slow starts when you know the Rays could potentially use some help earlier in the season but he's he is a good young player a um, 98.7 fielding percentage uh, unfortunately he's not as great in the outfield uh, i do think some of that can be shored up with some better um, practice and some better just overall getting feel for the game he's he's a career minus one defensive run save but again what he brings to the plate is another kind of 2020 power speed guy um that you that you were just talking about and loving so i do really like randy rosarina i think um I think maybe he got a little bit overhyped based on his initial call up into the majors and having that just amazing uh, first experience in the playoffs and everything like that. But um, I, I do think he's still a very good player. And then last but not least is again, Bryce Harper. I know that might be shocking for a lot of people out there for me to have them, you know, outside of my top 10, but, you know, in, in looking at, Harper's overall career stats he there just seems to be kind of a lot of volatility to it like there's years where he has a really good season and the next year it's not so much kind of a disappointment you know everyone's hoping that he can build upon it and it's just not the case defensively he's not terrible or anything like that he's a 98.4 feeling percentage and he's eight uh, positive eight defensive runs saved so he is good definitely a corner outfielder not anything close to a center fielder at all um but you know just he has these these spikes which are which are nice you know in 2020 he had he led the league with 49 walks granted that was the COVID shortened season so um you know a little bit of a, a, a fluke there with 49 being the league leader but still he led the league in it so you have to give him credit for it and that same that uh, same season, he hit 268. The previous year, he hit 260. And then in 2021, he hit 309. Then you look at 2022, he hit 286. Um, 2021, he hit 35 home runs. Last year, he only hit 18. Going back to 2019 and 2018, he was into the 
30s in the home run categories. Prior to that, he had the the previous two seasons, he didn't even crack 30 home runs. And then 2015, he led the majors with 42 home runs. I mean, you just look at him as like production's kind of up and down and all over the place. There's not a lot of like kind of consistency to him, which is kind of crazy considering what he has done is really tremendous. It just, he, it, I don't know what it is. He just doesn't seem to be able to like any, any strides he makes in one area of his game. A, a smaller part of it kind of suffers for that. You can't just put it all together and have that kind of consistency. Um, you know, like I said, in 2016, he had 24 home runs. He also batted 243. 2017 was 29 home runs and a batting average of 319. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is with him. He's still a top talent. Obviously, he's still a top 15 player, but uh, I do not have him in my top 10. Okay, so I'm not really sure if this is coincidence or not, but the second you mentioned Bryce Harper, I totally forgot that. I, I forgot to put him anywhere in my <laughs> my top 15, so I quickly put him in, and I had to take out um, one player, which I'll get to soon, and I definitely, okay. I definitely have a good reason why I took him out, but seems like we have a pretty mixed top 15. I did was thinking about Randy Rosarena, but I I do I would I, like I was saying I I I know I would, I do happen to love contact guys, but one thing that would pull me away and I would definitely prefer is that again like I was saying that power speed combination instead of the con obviously contact is great and everyone likes everyone loves those lameo everyone loves those ben attendees and louis arise but that power combo combination really stands out for me and obviously rosarin has that but for stalling marate adolos garcia louis roberts Cedric mullins and obviously schwarber who i had to put in because he just hits all runs and that's what teams want <laughs> but i just had to I left him out, but I definitely think that he would be my number sixteen. If there was sixteen, uh, there's not though. But okay, let, let's get into let's let's. I'm excited for these top ten. I think we're gonna have a fun time with this because it seems at, on the pace that we're going, I'm pretty sure that none of us mentioned all the big names, and I think that makes sense because we're both <laughs> somewhat knowledge of baseball, so we think we know where the top guys go. But I think. Eight, nine, and ten are definitely going to be some sort of discrepancy. Not sure, not sure, not sure where you're going to put who. But let's get into it. So ten, I'm just giving my ten. I think we're going to do is we're each going to give one. And then you're going to so it's going to be ten, ten, nine, 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 and then from there. Okay, so my ten was Michael Harris, the reigning NL Rookie of the Year, taking home. That hardware, Michael Harris, got called up a little after a month and a half of the season. Slash 297, 339, and 514 in the field. Very respectable. He played pretty well in the, in the field. He meant center field, a 992 feeling percentage. Again, not... not the greatest, not, not it's not gonna pop out and not something that you're gonna rave over, but definitely something respectable. He had eight defensive runs saved, also a nice number out to put out there. But just overall, Michael Harris had a really nice year: 19 home runs, a 135 OPS plus. He did play. I don't think I don't think he's this is talked about a lot, but he actually placed 13 in the MVP voting. So. Again, Michael Harris reigning MVP had to put him at ten. He did also steal twenty bases. So I, Michael Harris again, the Braves. What the Braves and what Alex Anthopoulos had focused on for the past couple of years was locking in their big stars, and that's exactly what they did with Michael Harris, and that's exactly what they've done with pretty much every other big one of the big stars: Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna. And obviously they had Aussie Albies himself, and but not Freddie Freeman. Not Freddie Freeman. Not Freddie Freeman. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's that's honestly that's that's for a different time. But that was definitely probably the biggest mistake in Braves history because Ooh. they did win a World Series, but they could have won again. 
last year if he didn't leave and went go to LA. But I don't think I'm not sure if we talk about it. I'm pretty sure we discussed this, Chris, but I remember a couple of months ago, I think it was something the Braves I'm pretty sure that they told him to leave. I don't I don't want to throw anything wrong and I don't want to be misinformed, but I'm pretty sure it's that it was something to do with the Braves that they somehow messed Michael Harris over. Sorry, Freddie Freeman over, and that he didn't want to go back to Atlanta. As I, from what I'm hearing, that he didn't really like Atlanta. I'm not really sure. Maybe you you have something else, but my ten is Michael Harris. What you got? Yeah, we'll definitely have to circle back and talk Freddie Freeman. Um, you and I might be on opposite sides um, <laughs> when it comes to, to Freddie. It, I no disrespect Freddie. I do like him, but uh, getting Matt Olson, uh, not a terrible, terrible move, and definitely could be argued a better, better move than Ooh, Freeman. Yeah, Matt Olson. Um, yeah, forget about that guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, but number ten, I've got the Guardians guy that came out Ooh. of nowhere, Stephen Stephen Kwan. Um, this was a guy that even. Even um, Guardians fans didn't expect to do what he did last season, um, let alone, I mean, coming out, making the team out of spring training. A, a lot of thoughts was kind of just, yeah, okay, not surprising. Had a good spring. Uh, I kind of doubt maybe he could make it past the first month or anything like that. And lo and behold, he played the entire season. A 5.5 war in his first year, batted 298. Uh, definitely not a home run guy at all. Only clobbered six of those, but he did steal 19 bases. But the best thing maybe about him, um, besides you know him being a really good left fielder, a 90, 98.6 fielding percentage and 15 defensive runs saved, is his ability to just not strike out, uh, plain and simple had 62 walks to only 60 strikeouts. So, yeah, he walked more than he struck out. He was also only caught five times stealing last season as well, too. So he was very good at knowing when to steal bases. He did hit 25 doubles and seven triples to go along with those six home runs. So um, definitely a guy that I think a lot of people are are mostly going to overlook because he doesn't put up the home runs. And uh, for the Guardians team, which is – mostly not about power except you know jose ramirez and now josh bell they're definitely a team that is all about grinding at bats making pitchers work get their pitch counts elevated um steven kwan exemplifies that and he definitely is one of the better young outfielders in major league baseball okay so steven kwan is not in my top 15 but i i i'm kind of feeling I have some FOMO here right now because uh, I kind of missed out on a big, big pick because, again, I, I didn't put him in, but I, I definitely respect that pick because, like you said, he's definitely up and coming and he kind of emerged out of nowhere. No one thought he would be this good. So, you know, good for him. And like you said, he there's a chance he could get overlooked now that, you know, he doesn't hit home runs. But I think he's definitely proved himself enough to be considered a threat. Now the Guardians have something to look forward to. So yeah. at nine, I'm kind of going against your Bryce Harper pick, but Bryce Harper at nine. And like you said, everyone everyone would be surprised once this podcast goes out that you put Bryce Harper not in the top ten. But I think I can also guess <laughs> I can also get some criticism because I didn't put Bryce Harper in at all until you mentioned him. So <laughs> Well, let's discuss Bryce Harper. So you you were saying how doesn't he's not so again like we said he's ha, he's he's very volatile and he's inconsistent. Obviously, he's a former first round pick from the Nats. Then he went to Philly and he was kind of derailed last year. Missed a lot of time. Kind of missed a good month and then took some time in AAA to work his way back up. But again. He's a three, two-time MVP, former Rookie of the Year. And, you know, when you kind of look at what he's accomplished as a player and his attributes and what he's kind of capable of, I just think that as a player, the talent is certainly there. And I'm just worried that can he stay consistent? Because, like you said, the talent's there. 
everything is all there. He's only 30. He's got he's got plenty of years left. He's in his, pretty much in his prime now, maybe a little under his prime because he does have two MVPs. He only won, won that two years ago in 2021, but he's got a lot left in the tank, and I think the talent is definitely there. None of his numbers are regressing at all, and I just want to see him have a bounce back here because I was kind of upset that we didn't see any helmet throwing or any breaking bats of Bryce Harper. We kind of missed a lot of that this year. But no, I, I definitely think that the talent is there and he's he's got a lot in him. So I want to see more Bryce Harper. And who's your nine? Unfortunately, I have to name another player from a team I absolutely despise, which is Houston and Kyle Ooh. Tucker. Um, and the thing is, like, I, I can't... Mostly, I dislike Altuve, Correa, Bregman, um, Springer, pretty much all those guys that were the main players in their, um, you know, Asterisk's first championship. Um, So guys like Tucker and Jeremy Pena, who came along afterwards, I don't like them because they play for the Astros, but at the same time, like, I don't hate them as much as I hate those other guys. Um, Jordan Alvarez is kind of the guy in between, and that's only because he victimized uh, my manners in the postseason, and I don't think I'm quite over that just yet. <laughs> um, but Kyle Tucker is, you know, he had a 5.2 war last season's career of 12.8 in that uh, 98.7 fielding percentage, 31 defensive runs saved in his short time in the bigs as well. And he's another guy that is a 2020, you know, he hit 30 home runs last year, stole 25 bases. He hit 257, which, you know, that's not great, but in today's baseball, that's not brutal or anything at all. I mean, last year he hit 294. Uh, in the COVID year, he hit 268. So uh, there is maybe some volatility in his batting average. But, I mean, I think when it's all said, I think you look at that 21 season where he batted 294, I think it's going to be his career, career high. I think he's going to be, when he settles in, high 260s to low 270s, something like that in his career. But he is a guy that is going to – you know, steal at least 15 bases probably every season, clobber 25 plus home runs, um, and be a good, good outfielder. I mean, last season he was an all star for the first time. He finished 15th in MVP voting and also got his first gold glove, which um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another gold glove before um, his career is over as well. So Kyle Tucker comes in at number nine. Okay, so at eight, at eight, at eight, this is a very, this this happened, this was a pretty tough pick for me, but he did not have the greatest year. And I put Juan Soto at eight. And again, he played pretty much the entire season and his average dropped by almost 70 points. His OPP was still up there. His slugging was 100 points lower. His OPS was over 100 points lower. And he did win a Soto Slugger. He made the All-Star game, of course, because he still won Soto. But he did not have a good year whatsoever. Even when it came to San Diego, his numbers were completely regressed. And he just he had a Juan Soto down a year. But again, a down year entails a 401 OPP somehow because he just walks a ton and gets in base all the time. But he just he just did not have the greatest year. He still he still hit 27 home runs, but he 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 just not he didn't he wasn't Juan Soto, and we didn't see any of what he's truly capable of. And I think putting him at eight. One thing about putting him at eight is that. By the time we're halfway through the season, he'll already be at five or four because he, again, I, I'm I'm quite certain that he'll bounce back because what he's got in him and what we've seen and the talent that he has, because again, we're forgetting he's only 24. He turned 24 under 100 days ago. So he, he's got close to 16, 16 years left in, um, in, in, the, in, the, in the tank. So he's got a ton of time left to turn it around. And again, like I said, I think like halfway th- towards halfway through the year, he'll be back to himself. And 
Yeah, I think that's kind of my whole rant on Juan Soto. What you got for eight? Eight, I've got uh, Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, he's a guy that I did get to see a lot in AAA, and I'll be honest with you, um, there was really nothing that stood out about him at all. He was just a guy that I watched play, and I was like, okay, he's a really good player. Like, he'll probably get called up to the Pirates because they need people that can, you know, if nothing else, can have bodies out there because they're struggling to, to succeed. But with that being said, he, when you looked at his numbers, they were good. There wasn't anything that popped out at you at all or anything. They were just very, very solid, and that is absolutely carried over to the majors. I mean, he's a career 281 hitter. His high in home runs is 27, which he did last year. Um, I, I expect that to probably be the max that he'll ever do in in his career. He's not a big home run hitter or anything like that. He's definitely a guy that kind of does a much better job of putting the bat on the ball. Um, he drove in 62 RBIs last year, which was not great. But again, the Pirates didn't have, don't have a whole lot of help around them. I mean, in 2021, he did drive in 90. Um, so he can be a RBI producer. The Pirates are somewhere along in their rebuild. If you ask Pirate fans, it's kind of been ongoing um, since their last postseason appearance. But um, yeah, he's a very good player. I very much like him. He's the guy that I think if he went to a bigger market or to a team that's going to be in the playoffs, there would be a lot more um, fanfare and talking about him. He kind of saw this offseason with a lot of rumors going around of various teams being interested in acquiring acquiring Brian Reynolds. And the fact of the matter is the Pirates need to absolutely be blown away to move him because they they don't have to. I mean, he's still under contract form. He's still relatively young. He's only 28. Um, they, they do have some young pieces to come up around him as well. So, yeah, in order to move a potential centerpiece of their franchise, they absolutely need to be blown away and good for them to hold on to him um, and – uh, like I said, he's my number eight outfielder, vastly underrated, and I'm a big fan. Well, no offense to, to the Pirates, but asking for Oswald Peraza and Anthony Volpe is not what the Yankees are looking for If if when they wanted to get Reynolds. But like you said, I, I, I fully understand that the Pirates would want a lot because he's their centerpiece of their team. And moving him, they're going to ask for a lot. So it, it totally that totally makes sense. And by the way, but I totally forgot about about Tatis. So I, I just I just wanted to mention that when I switched when I put in Bryce Harper, Tatis was taken out. And again, just just to back me up here, from shortstop to center field in twenty twenty one, in right field. He hit two seventy three, and at shortstop he hit two ninety six, and in center field he hit one twenty five. So only eighteen games were played. Sorry, only twenty five games were played combined in the outfield. Obviously, that's one they didn't have Bogarts, and he was the shortstop in San Diego. But his numbers aren't too great in the outfield, and you know he's. He got hurt, and then he dealt with the whole PD and positive and got suspended. But I don't know. I I, I kind of have to take him out because we haven't seen enough of his production in the outfield. Obviously, his bat will be the same, but we haven't seen him completely as a player in the outfield now that Bogarts is taking over. But that was kind of the logic behind taking out Tatis. So at number seven... I'm going to have to put in my guy, Kyle Tucker, even though I am a complete hater of the Astros because they just can't stop Rocky by Yankees no matter what we do and no matter who we add, we just can't beat them. And even if we add Carlos Rodon, we're still not going to beat them. And even if we add every single good player in the MLB, we're not going to beat them because they're the Astros and they always win. So Kyle Tucker was at seven. Again, Kyle Tucker, a high... Home run hitter, high power guy, 30 home runs in two consecutive seasons. He hit, knocked in 107 RBIs, almost ousted Aaron Judge for the most RBIs. Doesn't strike out too much either, only 95 strikeouts. His average is 
counting that those numbers are a bit lower than usual 257 330 and 478 his ops also was a little lower but again he won a gold glove he made the all-star game and landed finished top 15 mvp voting so and he sold 25 bases so there you go again Kyle tucker he's one of those guys who's just another huge piece for the astros and a guy who just gets on base and hits home runs, and that's what Astros do. So there you go. Kyle Tucker is at seven. My number seven, I have a guy you mentioned already, and that is Michael Harris, uh, former rookie of the year, Michael Harris for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, batted 297 last season, hit 19 home runs, stole 20 bases, a 5.3 war. Uh, outfield, you know, there's some work that needs to be done in there, especially uh, 99.2 fielding percentage, which is really, really good. Uh, eight defensive runs saved as well. So um, he, he's good out there. I think he can do better. Um, but, I mean, I think that's also kind of, you know, asking a lot. I think the defensive runs saved, I think that will only increase when he gets a full season. Like you mentioned earlier, he kind of got called up. Um, once the season was already underway, so he didn't get to reach, you know, all um, of the same number of games that a lot of other players did. He did only play appear in 114 games last season, but, um, you know, I do expect him to have a, another good season in his in, uh, in his second year with the Atlanta Braves. And obviously the Braves seem to like him a lot because they, they locked him up to that big deal that you were talking about. So he's obviously someone they feel very confident in his, uh, you know, kind of shorter sample size that can continue with what he's doing and do that over the long haul. So, um, Again, I do expect a lot of improvement from Michael Harris, and he is one of the better young outfielders, um, and specifically one of the better young center fielders in, in Major League Baseball. Okay, so at six, I put down Jordan Alvarez, arguably would have been the best, actually the best hitter competing with Aaron Judge. Which means he's not the best hitter, but he would have one of the best hitters in the 2022 season. Obviously, he didn't miss some time, which kind of threw him off track a bit, a little bit towards the end of the season. He's spent some time on the injury list, but overall, he was on pace to competing with contending with Aaron Judge for the MVP. Obviously, Judge blew him out, but he still managed to finish with a one point. 019 OPS with a 187 OPS plus and 97 RBIs with 37 home runs and 144 hits. So with a 6.8 war. So again, Jordan Arbaz was arguably the best hitter in baseball last year and he finished third in MVP voting. But this was kind of a breakout year for Jordan Alvarez because in 2021, his numbers were not as impressive. He did, he did still hit 33 home runs. Obviously, he's a former Rookie of the Year in 2019. But this was kind of a big year for Jordan Alvarez. And if if I'm comparing the other guys who are in the top five ahead of Jordan Alvarez, I'm looking at five guys who have had more established seasons than Jordan Alvarez. Obviously, Jordan had a, a huge year this year for the Astros, but I'm looking at five other guys who've had more years. And obviously he's he's younger, but Jordan Alvarez is my six. Number six, I have your boy, the whole uh franchise carrying player at listed at six seven, two hundred and eighty pound eighty-two pounds, Aaron Judge. Um what he did last season was absolutely remarkable. There's no question about it. 10.6 war just in that season alone. Hit 62 home runs, batted 311, scored, drove in 131, scored 133 times himself, stole 16 bases as well. I don't think that gets as much publicity as probably it should. Um, I mean, that's, that's not something you expect from somebody who's going to drop 30-plus home runs. I mean, that was... Easily his 
career high. I mean, prior to that, it was nine stolen bases back in, in 2017. Um, and I would feel pretty confident laying down a decent amount of money that 16 stolen bases will be um, the career high um, that he has in, in a season when it's all said and done. But um, yeah, he just, last season what he did was absolutely sp um, spectacular. He's another guy that I got to witness coming through the minor leagues um, here in Indianapolis. And, um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, listed six, seven is huge, but when you see him in person, like, it's like, Whoa, that's like a really big dude. And just watching him in minor leagues. I mean, he just, he probably should have had four home runs in his four, um, four out of his five plate appearances, but, um, the wind was blowing in a little bit and two of the, you know, three of the balls definitely got caught at, at the warning track. Um, so yeah, he's a special player. I definitely have a, a big fandom for Aaron Judge. And he's a guy that, you know, again, when you think of how big he is, you kind of think of a lumbering guy out there. I mean, that was quite as good. A career 99.1 fielding percentage and 60 defensive runs saved in, in right field. So he is not a, a defensive liability like, um, you know, your boy you just talked about, Jordan Alvarez, um, who I, I think will profile much more as the new big poppy um, when it's all said and done. I think Alvarez will eventually be more of their DH. But um, Aaron Judge, he's my number six outfielder. Okay, so <laughs> we have a huge argument here to to go out right now. <laughs> but um, no, I'll save it for later. But Aaron Judge at six. Um, okay. <laughs> Okay, so let's do our top five. Okay, so um, number five, I had Mookie Betts because he's just in the MVP conversation every single year. No matter what, he's just always there, always makes top five, top three. He only won, won the MVP once, but just throw out some numbers, 35 home runs. He led the league in 117 runs scored, 40 doubles. Slash 2699, 340, and 533 with the 873 OPS, even better than last season, which was 854, even though he had a lower average. But again, he's one of those guys who just he gets on base and hits home runs, and he's kind of now a veteran player who, in especially in, now in LA, who lost pretty much all their talent. They lost Cody Bellinger, they lost pretty much everyone you could think of. And now LA is just down to Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. And now he's going to have a bit even bigger role with pretty much everyone leaving. So Mookie Betts, you're five. My number five, I've got uh, Mike Trout, the biggest Philadelphia Eagles fan um, that anybody's ever known, apparently. Um, Three-time MVP, 10-time All-Star, two-time um, All-Star MVP, Rookie of the Year, nine-time Silver Slugger, Major League Player of the Year. Last season, he had a 6.3 war for his career. It's 82.4. Last season, he did bat 283, hit 43 home runs, only stole, stole one base, but that's honestly looking at what he's done. He has not been a stolen base threat uh, really in quite some time. The last time he stole double-digit stolen bases was back in 2019 with 11. Um, so the running game, he's basically just shut that down, that aspect of his game. And um, that's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of unfortunate because I think that's part of what made him so special was a guy that could slug you 25-plus home runs and steal you at least 25 bases in a season. I mean, in his 2012 breakout season he hit 30 home runs and stole 49 bases while batting 326 and those 49 stolen bases led major league baseball he scored uh, 129 runs which also led major league baseball and that was 2012 was the first of three consecutive years where he led major league baseball in scoring runs um so he was absolutely a young phenom uh, and part of that was the ability for him to steal bases and he's kind of shut that down which i can understand he's you know he's 30 years old now so as you get older you lose some speed you lose some you know just like i i, I don't need to do that quite as much anymore because i can do other parts of the game better and stuff like that so um you know it, he's still a good center fielder he's not 
maybe quite as good as some other guys. A 99.4 filling percentage is obviously really, really good. Um, but his minus six defensive run saved is kind of um, kind of surprising when you think of just some of the highlights he's done in the outfield. Like I was expecting that to be a little bit better of a number for him, and it's not. So it was a little surprising um, to really look at that side of the ball for him. But he's still, I think, one of the top five best outfielders in the game, even if he doesn't steal the bases as much, what he does with the rest of um, his at-bats and everything and kind of being one of two main guys that can produce any sort of scoring for the Angels is still, um, he's still, still got it. I also think another aspect of it is I kind of feel bad for him because he signed a $426 million deal for 12 years and now he's stuck with the Angels who are making small moves and trying to prove to Shohei Otani that they want to win when he's on the verge of leaving and hitting free agency next year. And that means Mike Trout will be on his own. And he's now stuck with LA through 2020 through 2031, unless they trade him, which if you trade for Mike Trout, I think your entire farm system and your whole team would probably need to be moved if you want Mike Trout. So just before I give my four, I kind of just want to add to that. So at four, I got Julio Rodriguez, another rookie, rainy rookie of the year, the rookie sensation, high tatted prospect, Julio Rodriguez. He did miss a some time. Uh, spent on the injury list. He played... 560 plate appearances. He hit 284, 345, 509 with a 853 OPS. It's 25 stolen bases, 28 home runs. This guy is going to be huge for the face of baseball. He is going to be the next big thing for baseball from what we've seen. Although it's been just one year, I think he pretty much has everything you would want. And He's obviously going to be the face of your Mariners for quite some time. And I'm sure you're excited because you've got a lot to look forward to. And I'm honestly happy for you guys because now you've got, now you've got a perennial talent and now you've got the face of your organization for a good amount of time if you can lock him up, which you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I will share my, I'll save my thoughts on Mr. Julio for later in the show. Um, but at number four, I've got Juan Soto. Uh, you kind of touched on some things that are are a bit of a, a negative and a bit of concern, and that is what he did last season, uh, specifically in San Diego. I mean, we know this guy to be a guy who is going to draw a fair amount of walks while not striking out a, a ton and but also hitting for a very very high average especially in, in today's baseball and you know last season he batted 242 on a hole but more shockingly he batted only 236 in san diego now i i'm not sure necessarily what exactly led to that i mean he definitely was surrounded by better talent than he had in washington so i would have expected his batting average to at least been better um his home run productivity as well in in san diego was down that's to me that's not too surprising considering san diego is not a big um you know hitters park or anything like that but um you know, he it's still just what he did in San Diego specifically is a little bit of a concern. And at this point, I'm just going to chalk it up to, hey, it was a new team, had to get settled in, get familiar with the city, all that good stuff. And now they basically had an entire offseason to get comfortable in San Diego and get prepared for this upcoming season. I do expect him to have a bounce back, and I don't expect him to necessarily get off to a slow start like he did last year. And I think a lot of that will have to do with the fact that he's in a much better lineup um, and a much better team around him as well. And um, I, I think he's going to be a big factor in just how – how successful the Padres really, really are. I mean, we know what Machado's done out there in his time in San Diego. We know what Tatis can bring um, when healthy, but I think the biggest key is going to be what Juan Soto does. I mean, you can plug him in earlier in the lineup, be a guy that can bat in front of Machado and just that kind of combination. And then you also have um, Bogarts, who's a 
pretty good offensive shortstop as well. Um, those guys are really going to make a lot of, um, you know, earn a lot of their contract just because they're in a great situation to produce and to just not give opposing pitchers a lot of ability to breathe or anything like that as well. So uh, I'm not too concerned about Juan Soto's 2022 down season. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a little more concerned what he did specifically in San Diego, but I'm at this point, I'm just chalking it up to new city, new town, got to get comfortable. And I, I fully expect a bounce back. Yeah. Although I put Soto a little higher, I definitely understand that. And, you know, we all want him to bounce back because who doesn't love Juan Soto? So at three, I put one of the one and only Ronald Acuna Jr. at my number three spot. Again, another one of those players who. Three. Yeah, three. No, I said I said we, we agree on that one. That's the, the only oh, one. Oh, is that so the first far. one we agree on? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. By the way, going into this, I did think that we would agree on much more. But since yeah. that, I mean, I think it just uh, how like our taste in in baseball and like, I guess what we prefer, because it seems that like we there's like some sort of discrepancy on like what type of player we prefer. And again, like I'm saying, everyone's like, I guess, I guess it differs all the time. But I think Acuna. Yeah, I'm, I mean. I mean, finally, we finally found something to agree on. So, again, Acuna, I guess you'll have something to add when I'm done. But Acuna, at three, again, probably the most talented player in baseball when he's healthy. I guess we all can agree on that. He is the most, one of the most talented players when he is healthy, when he's not, didn't tear his ACL, when he's not dealing with the back issue or this and that. So, when he's healthy, he, again, he hasn't played a full season since 2019. He only played 119 games in 2022, 82 in 2021, and 2020 in the COVID-shortened season. He only played 2020, and of course, he made the All-Star game every year because he still managed to hit 50 home runs this year. Did get caught stealing the most in dangers with 11. Sorry, the most in the NL with 11. But he slashed 266, 351, and 413 with a 764 OPS, which is not the greatest numbers, but... I'm not too worried because when the guy's healthy, he's probably the most athletic and one of the most talented players in baseball. So there's nothing more to it. Yeah, no, you you said a lot. He, he is definitely a a um, a figure that is very entertaining in there. I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff he's done. Uh, I believe in. Um, in the Venezuelan or, you know, Latin league, um, winter league stuff. That's what I'm going on there. But I mean, he's definitely when he is much more demonstrative in celebrating his accomplishments, specifically hitting home runs. Um, so yeah, he's, he is a treat to watch for sure. Uh, he's, you know, his outfielding from a defensive standpoint, you know, definitely leaves some, Thing to be desired only a 98.5 feeling percentage and 15 defensive runs saved again for his career um but again i i think you touched on it the health is an issue with him and obviously when you don't feel good you don't you know you don't play quite as well or anything like that so yeah he's he's a very talented player i look forward to seeing what he can do this season hopefully healthy uh, especially with that Braves lineup being much deeper um, than they have been kind of in, in the past. And let's be honest, even though they the team won the World Series a couple years back, he wasn't a part of it because of injury. So I think there's going to be a lot of hunger in him to help a team bring home another World Series and one where he can actually say, yeah, I played in it and got to help contribute. I wasn't just, yeah, I helped you get there because I was healthy for um, you know a portion of the regular season before I went down with an injury. So I'm pretty sure I can guess who you put at your two and one, but I'm just going to give my two before you get to that. So at two, I put in the three-time MVP and probably and the best player in baseball when, again, when he's healthy. Mike Trout, 31-year-old Mike Trout, who for about four or five years from 2016 to 2019 – and really from when he, he entered the scene in 2011, he led the league in a stat pretty much every year up until 2020 where the injuries started catching up to. And he really just hasn't been healthy at all. 
and that that now you factor in the fact that in 119 games and 499 plate appearances, Mike Trout still hit 40 home runs, which is almost close to double to the average baseball player, and <laughs> which is quite a huge number considering that he missed over 40 games and he still managed to have 40 home runs and he still managed to have a 999 LPS. So that's definitely something to consider because this, he, again, he's the best player in baseball and the best one, the, a guy like that who's the best player in baseball d- does things like that. But my number one guy who, who I'm sure you can guess because I'm a huge Yankees fan <laughs> that before I got to him, that guy he had a massive year. But a guy like Mike Trout, who is the best player in baseball, that's the thing that like, a guy like that, that's what he does. It's like what Tom Brady does, even though he made the biggest mistake of his life of coming back and playing another year, which he completely blew and didn't even make and made the wild card and completely got destroyed. But Mike Trout is a guy who's, again, like I said, he's the most talented player in baseball. And guys like that, that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Mike. For me, a concern for him, um, and kind of going back to with Aaron Judge, who you know you said we have an issue with him being ranked so low. Uh, just the fact that they've had some injuries that have kind of started to creep into their careers, or in Aaron Judge's case, like he's really had to battle injury concerns, and you know that has taken away some of what they could be doing. And part of the reason why I did have him down lower is because of those injury issues. So, um, just something else. I mean. Acuna has also had it, but again, what he's done um, in when he's been healthy is still phenomenal as well. Um, but my number two guy is Mookie Betts, who again you touched on. He's him and Freddie Freeman are pretty much the lone guys in in the Dodgers right now that the team is going to be counting on. But uh, he's just. I don't know if he's kind of gone. If he's like the outfield version of Trey Turner, where he just. He's really solid, and because he's so solid, because of what he does pretty much every season where he hits over you know, 20 home runs and he's just an offensive weapon for the Dodgers, people would just kind of take it for granted. And so it's like, oh, yeah, Mookie Betts, yeah, he's really good, and it's like, whatever. But there's other guys that you know have higher highs, and that's what kind of draws our attention and everything like that. You know, Something like an Aaron Judge hitting – 60 home runs last year. It's like, wow, he was so good. But, you know, again, when you look at their careers, like, you know, Mookie Betts is probably the better player that you want to have because he's the one that's going to show up more often, um, being able to play games and produce and just, you know, be really good. So um, with that being said, Mookie Betts is a talent that the Dodgers absolutely loved having a career 99.0 fielding percentage and 144 defensive runs saved last season he had a 6.4 war for his career it's 56.4 but this is a guy that um along kind of like the same lines as Mark Trout who's shut down for the most part his stolen base ability or desire to steal bases now granted last season he did steal 12 and outside of his 2014 season He's stolen at least 10 bases in every season that he's played in. So um, he hasn't completely shut it down like Trout has done, but he's still, he's not what he used to be or anything like that. Um, And his batting average has started to dip a little bit. You know, I don't know exactly what is causing that. He's only 29, so I can't necessarily say it's age related or anything like that. Um, Maybe it's just something else that's gone on. I believe uh, I believe his wife is expecting another kid for them. I think it's their second. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I just happened to catch a, a post of him on, on Twitter and saw that. So uh, that's the only reason I know that. But Mookie Betts is still one of the better outfielders out there. And I feel, in, you know, considering all the names we talked about, he's maybe the one that's not quite as looked upon as some of the other guys because he's never really – done something that's super flashy or anything like that that's kind of drawn a lot of attention he's just gone out he's done his job he's done it at a very high level and unfortunately that's a little bit boring um you know and i think that may be why but mookie betts is my number two yeah so i i definitely i have to agree with you there i definitely think that mookie betts is i mean i he was a little higher up for me but a guy like mookie betts I do have have to agree with you that he does get overlooked at times, and I feel like, like you said, he's one of those guys who's just like I said before, he's consistent. He's 
he finishes top five MVP consistently almost every year, and he's one of those guys who you can almost assure that he'll be productive. And I think that's why he's overlooked because he's just consistently good, and he he's never bad. And that's kind of yeah. what you're looking for out of Mookie Betts because he just has everything that you're looking for in an outfielder. So a guy like Mookie Betts, who's in the center, has pretty much in the center on, of the spotlights in L.A., but he does get overlooked sometimes. But I think one thing L.A. fans need to do is definitely embrace Mookie Betts more and give him a little more attention. So at number one, this is kind of funny because we both have our number one. And both our number ones are our teams. So let's be honest, we're homers. And okay. we are, we are. <laughs> Sorry, fans, we're we're homers to our teams. We are, guys. <laughs> Me, and Chris, th- there was no chance that us two were not going to put Aaron Judge as and Julio Rodriguez as our number ones. So I'm sure yeah. you both, both, all you guys could have guessed this. Me and Chris are biased, and we love our teams. And luckily, all our teams have stars. And my number one, obviously, was big Aaron Judge, 6'7", 282 pounds, was drafted by the A's. And then he, in 2010, but then he stayed in Fresno and then was drafted in the first round three years later by the New York Yankees, a homegrown talent. Obviously, perennial talent, and now they locked him up on that monstrous deal. Obviously, in the offseason, just just throw out his numbers like I always like to do because I like to do that. So, again, 311, 425, 686, 1.111, 211 OPS plus, and 391 total bases. And, of course, the MVP of the American League. And, of course, the obviously, the most important number was the 62 home runs that he hit to break Roger Maris's record. And obviously the RBIs. So he's Aaron Judge, and he's the best center in baseball and the best player in baseball. And <laughs> that's it. No, okay. There's obviously a lot of other players that can compete, but from what we've seen, and I think one drawback is his height and he's very bulky obviously and i just think that that's kind of a little bit nerve-wracking that he's that big and i'm not so sure five six years down the line what he'll look like health-wise but from where we stand now he's definitely on a very solid trajectory and i'm 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 not i'm not certain he'll he'll hit 62 runs again obviously gotta be realistic and Obviously, this season is not to be repeated again, but I'm looking forward to another another MVP caliber season from Aaron Judge. Yeah, and let's be honest. If Judge hits 40, 40 home runs this season, there's going to be a large chunk of the Yankees fan base that's going to complain about him being washed up. Of course, of course. Being productive. Welcome to New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though it's still 40 home runs, and that's, that's you know something we might love. Um, but yes, number one, I've got the new face of Major League Baseball. That's right. The new oh. face of Major League Baseball, Julio Rodriguez. And let's be honest, we were never going to see another Ken Griffey Jr. Um, in, in baseball. A guy that just had an infectious smile, a love for the game, was an absolute joy to watch. A player that also saved baseball in seattle um that was never going to happen i that might be wrong uh let's be honest julio rodriguez he's probably not saving baseball in seattle i mean it doesn't need to be saved or anything like that like griffey did but julio rodriguez is a big piece of the reason why the Mariners broke their playoff drought that they had and he absolutely has that same infectious smile that griffey did he has a love to play for the game that you can see on the field and with his teammates that Griffey did as well. Last season, he won the Rookie of the Year for the AL. He's a one-time All-Star, also won the Silver Slugger, a 6.2 war in his rookie season. Like you said, batted 284, hit 28 home runs, stole 25 stolen, sold 25 bases as well. Um, 
batted mostly leadoff for the team. And let's be honest, those stats he had, those could have been a heck of a lot better if Major League Baseball hadn't decided to uh, make Rodriguez's strike zone in the first few months of the season anything that the umpires felt he could swing the bat and the bat could, you know, touch the ball. Um, that for those who didn't follow me, I think that his strike zone was absolutely all over the place. And one of the coolest things about that entire uh, fiasco was that you never saw him point a Jared Kelnick or a Bryce Harper of spiking helmets, breaking bats, throwing them, getting into, you know, arguments with umpires and getting thrown out of games or anything like that. You never saw the anger. It, you know, it was definitely there. He definitely had things to say for the umpires. Um, but it, it kind of moved on. It didn't hold him back. He didn't dwell on it. He just moved on and came to the next bat. And then finally it started to click for him. And, you know, you, if you look at his month by month production, you saw it getting incrementally better until it became what we saw him finish up the year at. And, you know, that is something that I think is rare to see in, in rookies because they, you know, there's a lot of pressure for them to succeed and to showcase their abilities and their talents. And he, he would be a player that I would recommend for any other rookie to follow along in, in just how they should kind of approach the game in their rookie season, knowing, Hey, there's going to be immense struggles, but you've got to keep your head up, keep doing what you're doing, trusting in your abilities that got you here. Listen to your coaches, um, apply what they have and, you know, take the analytics that's out there and just apply them and it, as long as you keep working hard at it, it's going to pay off for you as well. Um, I do think that since he's got one all-star appearance and Griffey had 10 all-star appearances in Seattle, not kind of his career, just in Seattle, I do think Julio is going to break that record. Um, and I can see him stringing along at least another 10 seasons of all-star appearances. This guy is the sole reason why a lot of players are, happy to stay and um you know even join seattle i mean the team traded for luis castillo he signed an extension the team went out and traded colton wong and traded for tiasca hernandez those two those two guys hernandez and rodriguez are going to have a blast playing together this season i think they're going to show that on the field which is going to be outstanding to watch as well from the fans aspect and this season is going to be a heck of a ride for the Seattle Mariners. And Julio Rodriguez is the best outfielder in all of Major League Baseball. And maybe the stats don't show it off his rookie year, but try and tell me that after next season when he is hands down the best outfielder. Okay, so I'm I'm just a little confused. One second, who who was the AL MVP this year? I'm trying to think. Wait, oh, it was Aaron Judge? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to say that. I was literally playing to say that. That's all right. I mean, you guys, you guys can have time to shine. Um, <laughs> but you know, no, yeah. Uh, I, Julio will, he'll be up there. I'm, I'll have to give you that. I'm, I'm not gonna. I got, I got to be fair here. He, he, he has the talent to go the distance. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I think we've had a nice episode here. I think this, is, this has been one of the most controversial episodes we've had because. I'm pretty sure when we did when we covered shortstops, it wasn't as far apart. I think we kind of agreed on most things. But again, one thing about ranking outfields outfielders, Chris, is that it's very hard to laud how an outfielder will follow up a breakout season. So, like like we're saying for a guy like Aaron Judge who had a monster season. Obviously, I put him as a number, my number one. Or even a guy like Kyle Schwarber, who hit the most home runs in the NL. Like Again, what are those guys going to look like next year? So that, that's why – I think that's why we kind of argued a lot. And we've, we've got, there was a, I think that's why there was a huge discrepancy between my rankings and yours. I, I think it's just, just because of the variety of players that are out there and obviously what we – what we prefer as players. And I, I, I think that's just kind of why we had such a wide range ranking. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, just going off the outfielders, like we could have gotten more specific and said, you know, the best 15 best left fielders and center fielders and yeah. right fielders. And that, you know, we probably have seen a little, maybe a little more similarities in there, but yeah. you know, lumping them all together, there's just, so many names in there that you can make a case for being, you know, in, in the top 15 that 
you know, I didn't have some of the guys on my list. You didn't have some of the same guys on your list. So yeah, it's just part of what makes talking baseball and talking sports in general, just a lot of fun to, to discuss. Yeah. And next week I will have to discuss what we're going to cover, but are we thinking about top 15 pitchers starting pitchers? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can definitely do that. I think we could also, um, you know, possibly talk about the Hall of Fame as Ooh. well. I mean, you did mention it again. Congratulations to uh, Indiana's own Scott Rowland for making it into the Hall of Fame this season. Uh, definitely well-deserved, but, you know, there's there's still some guys on that list that didn't make it in that I felt probably should have deserved to get in. I know we've talked about it in the past as well. Yeah. Um, and, but we can also look at, you know, the upcoming class um, for 2024 too. So yeah, we've definitely got some options out there for what we want to talk about next week, whether it's our next rankings or something else that's going on in the world of major league baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, regardless of what we discuss, this has been a pretty exciting and I hope fun to listen for you guys, for your listeners out there. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, this episode, and we will check up on you guys next week. And take care, guys. Have a great week.